All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. And my mic is hot. That sounds loud in my ears, but I hope it doesn't sound that too loud in yours. You guys, today's Memorial Day. Now, that's, of course, when we're recording this. But if you're listening to this in months from now, the theme is the same. And it's about freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. And um, I wanted to share just a, a quick backstory. So, uh, my my father actually so my mom and dad were 20 years apart and that means that obviously he was much older when i was born he was 49 when i was born and he had a very very colorful past and um he actually fought in two wars so korea and world war 2 and he fought in two branches both the navy and the army and i'll never forget at my dad's funeral when they played the taps and they folded the flag and they had the gun salute and they handed me and my mother um, his flag and memorial of him. It just, it had took on a whole different meaning, you know, and if anyone here has ever known anyone that has fought um, and has t- paid the ultimate sacrifice or, you know, a, you know, even was a veteran of war, you know, that that just takes on a whole new meaning for what we have access to here today. And that kind of freedom is something that, that we can't, purchase. We can't take for granted. And ultimately, we have to remember that every single day that we have any privileges whatsoever to do what we do, it's because of the men and women that really ultimately fought for what we have here. Yeah, you know what? And as I think about it, my whole perspective on things changed when I um, I got a job working in medical device sales. And one of my accounts was the James Haley uh, Veterans Hospital in Tampa. And I think what happens is if we can really make this apply to everyone right now is especially if you grew up in the 80s and 90s and you saw movies like Rambo and you saw movies like, um, you know, Hamburger Hill or Platoon and you saw these movies about war and it was always a happy, not really a happy ending, but, you know, it was the United States and then they started getting a little bit different. And we really have had probably two to three good decades, probably more than that, right? When, when we're, of course, I don't want to make light of the Iraq war, right? Because that was a big war and it just ended. But the big ones, World War One, World War Two, and we talk about Vietnam. And, and, and again, I worked with some of the veterans coming home from the Iraq war, fitting them for medical devices. And what, the reason why I say that is because it totally changed my perspective on what we're fighting for and, and what the, really the sacrifice is. And I, I mention those movies because I never served, but unless you get a close-up look at the ramifications of war, and certainly anyone who has served in the, in the armed forces has, um, or if you've worked with veterans, uh, injured veterans. In my case, I worked with those who had traumatic brain injuries. And um, wow, I mean, instantly I had to rethink everything that I thought about what the sacrifice was and what it really meant. It's not a movie. Um, I respected your dad. I remember the pictures of your father, you know, in his 
in his uniform, the black and white pictures and how proud he was and, and of his, his buddies and how young they were. And here's what I want you to think about. Before we get into how this affects every single person right now, what I want you to think about is this. Whether you are looking at veterans from World War II, from Vietnam, veterans from the Iraq War, or we're looking when we were in uh, Tennessee and we stood there amongst the cemetery of Civil War veterans. Mm-hmm. What what I really realized is every single one of those men was cut down in the prime of their life in, in terms of the ones who didn't make it back. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I think we need to look at is a young man or a woman that is 18, 19, 20, 21 with their whole life ahead of them and then cut down for what? You know? So what I want to think about this week as we honor our our veterans and we honor the people who put on the uniform is what are we fighting for? And let's face it, just when you think the world can't get any crazier and just when you think that, you know, we've seen the worst of it, something happens like um, the tragedy, the the shooting in, in southern Texas, and it just brings us back. So what I want to talk about right now is, Angelique, freedom. How can we talk about what it means if anybody's out there right now, you want to know where are we headed? What does freedom really mean? We are on this podcast and we have the freedom, right, to speak. Mm-hmm. We have the freedom to state our opinion. And I think a lot of people took that for granted until the last couple of years. And we see that that's not something that we can take for granted. No. And and I think that we're, we often overlook these things because we're so accustomed to them, you know, there's a saying and I, did you, I know you had it in a speech out when you spoke in Arizona for yeah, Carrie Lake. Uh, tell, tell them. So basically, you know, um, good times create weak men mm-hmm. and weak men create hard times. Mm-hmm. Hard times create strong men. Yeah. And strong men create good times. Yeah. And I think that's what the most of our generation has been a part of is, you know, good times. We've had we've had some good times and we've had freedom and we've often taken that for granted. We don't realize we do not realize what freedom actually is. You know, we just well, we live in a free country. What is that? Just it turns into some kind of semantic. You know, it turns it's just like lip service. Freedom is is so sacred. You know, we have the freedom of Christ, which no one can strip of you. But the country that we live in and what we have access to is as a a result of strong, brave men and women that fought for what we have. And that freedom of speech um, is something that we did see in the last couple of years. Now, look, there have been plenty of times when you're just people, people, when you're, when you're free to speak, there's all kinds of things that can be said. However, we have to remember that being able to use our voice for good, for you know, for a podcast, for for religion, um, for you know, our our rights. These are really important topics that we often forget about. Yeah, and it take for just we just take it for granted. Well, again, you know, I want to go back to being in that hospital, the James Haley Veterans Hospital, and looking at a young man. We didn't really um, have a lot of time, but looking at a young man who had a traumatic brain injury and seeing his mom. Often his wife or his girlfriend there by his side and his father. And, you know, a traumatic brain injury means basically nobody's home. Uh, it's they're, they're in a state of mind where they're breathing, they're alive, but their eyes are kind of glassy and 
um, there's different degrees of it, and and I don't want to sure. over oh, yeah. overstate what I know. So forgive me here. No, these are severe. The ones you saw were very, very severe. Uh, so much so, Angelique. Yeah. Do you remember that time I said I worked on a guy today that when I saw him, it was it was it, it took me like by shock at how at how injured he was, and yeah. and a year later. You you saw me. We were walking the mall, and you go, "Is that the guy that you worked on that time?" And yeah. I looked, and I go, "Yes." I go, "How did you know?" And what did you say? Because the way you had described him had been so like graphic that I don't believe that there'd be anyone else that could match that description. But didn't he went on like he he, he was a on, speaker? He was yeah. a speaker. He was actually yeah. he had a great attitude. He he was he was hit with a direct uh, a, a a rocket hit his Humvee. And um, he was burned. He uh, he had uh, lost his vision. He had lost a limb. Um, I forget which one. I think it was part of his leg. Um, and he had certainly no, no fingers, right? Yeah, and it was. And but he had a great attitude, and we actually saw him on an airplane again a couple yeah, of years later. Isn't that wild? Yeah, but it just was. And other times when I go to a patient's house and I'd see these parents who had taken care of this kid as a baby, you know, if any of you guys have children right now and you take care of a, of a child, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Well, imagine these parents who are in their sixties or seventies sometimes, and that child comes back and they have to do that all over again. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they grow out of it. It's for the rest of their life. So, you know, I, I don't want to get into that part, although I do want to honor those people. It's so hard to have this discussion guys, because you know, we don't want to overstep our boundaries. We don't. We never served in the military. My brother served in the Air Force. Angelique's father served in the Navy and the Army. All my but uncles. Yeah. Again, I, I just reverence, first of all, and and respect and gratitude. I can't state that enough for anybody who's ever worn a uniform and defended our country, whether it be in peacetime or wartime. Reverence, respect, and just an immense gratitude. And let's talk now about what exactly we are fighting for. I think that's where we are at a place right now that many of us thought we would never be. What are we fighting for? Because this is not the America that we're familiar with. It changed real quick. And in my book um, that came out this past month called The Pursuit, I did a lot of research. And here's a glaring statistic. In 2019, a YouGov poll reported by Axios said that 70% of millennials said they would vote for a socialist. 19% of millennials and 12% of Gen Z said they thought, get this, this is, they thought that the Communist Manifesto better guarantees freedom and equality for all than the Declaration of Independence. That is a startling statistic. Again, we are bridging Memorial Day and what's happening in our country right now, what you're seeing on a daily basis 70% of millennials would vote for a socialist. 19% said that they think the Communist Manifesto better guarantees freedom than the Declaration of Independence. Where are we missing the ball, Angelique? I don't know. Well, (laughs) I know two glaring places. 70%. It's it's education, education. It's our public school systems. And as my good friends always say, hey, don't leave out the parents. We are responsible. Listen, I believe wholeheartedly, and you know this is a family podcast, that... All it all change, be, like begins at home, including world peace. <laughs> you know, and when we start to disrupt the nuclear family, um, and and by disrupt, please don't misunderstand me. I came from a broken home, <laughs> so this is this is not you know 
if there are people here on this podcast that have been divorced and they're in, you know, broken home situations, like my heart uh, goes out to you. It's one of the biggest reasons why I'm such an advocate for healthy, strong marriages. Um, but when I say nuclear family, I mean, it's been unfairly weaponized. It's been unfairly weaponized. Like they want to redefine, you know, so many things. And I'm like, but what, where's that getting us? What are we seeing on the right? What since we've taken prayer out of schools in the '60s? What what has happened to our world? Things are changing, and they're not changing for the better. I mean, at least not in my eyes. Well, I don't know. They're they're not, and I think we can all see that. Just you have news, you have social media, you know what's going on. Um, here is I'm going to paraphrase from the book, and it's basically saying that we are wooing, and when I say we, not I, <laughs> but certainly uh, a certain political faction. Um, I think you know uh, the public school system, the, certainly the university system, and I would say um, Hollywood influence and the far left. We are wooing these young people with a distorted, rose-colored glass vision of history, particularly when it pertains to socialism and communism. They are teaching these things, and what, the first thing I will tell you is, from a godly perspective, because this is a faith-based podcast, um, God speaks about ambition in the Bible. And, and you know, if you have a desire to, to actually work and do something, then we have to be very, very mindful in stating that the Bible and biblical principles for work are clear. God's blessings for man is clear. It says, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Okay, it clearly warns us. Proverbs 18.9 says, Whoever is lazy regarding his work is also a brother to the master of destruction. The slothful will be put to forced labor. So I'm going to ask you a question. I just went to the grocery store. And if you've been out, and look, I'm going to paint with a little bit of a broad brush, but I've seen it, is what you have is a generation that we've demonized work. Would you agree, Inge? Yes. How, how so? Well, what do you mean demonized? Well, we've demonized capitalism. We've we've stripped hard work as a core value. We've really stripped that out. You know, the government, what they did is, granted, we had extenuating circumstances with COVID, but they basically, they took trillions of dollars, paid people to stay home, gave them an extended 14-week vacation, and that's why, and you know it and I know it, if you know have been anywhere, people can't find people. There are restaurants with open tables. We can't find people to come work. We, we're building a house. The guy goes, I can't find people to build. There is no workforce. How can that be? Your cousin who worked in um, um, logistics, right? She goes, we're, we're taking people, bringing them in and scheduling interviews, and they're not showing up for the interviews. That's so crazy. what we've done is we have really, and I say we, the government has done is they've really lured people into saying, Hey, you know what? Don't work. Hard work is not a virtue anymore. And that is diametrically opposed to the generation that we were brought up in. And certainly the generations of our father and grandfathers who valued hard work. Yeah. And a can do attitude. Yeah. And what's happening is it's going to start perpetuating into our kids. Well, everybody thinks that they're worth more than they're getting paid. So nobody yeah. wants these entry level jobs, right? When we grew up, I, I delivered pizza for, you know, I, I did things like I fixed payphones. What was minimum wage when you were? Oh, geez. I think it was 425 Yeah, I think so for me. Well, it was like 550 or something. Yeah, I'm a little like bit it. older than you. 
Yeah. But everybody thinks they're worth more. So you see people, I'll see people working in a grocery store or somewhere, and they're just, they have this sloth-like attitude. Now they have their phone in their hand, or they're listening to their earbuds, and they're on the it. and they're on yeah. the on the on the clock. We have not had good service in a really long time. But and, but they're, they'll complain about getting paid, wanting to get paid more. But what are you worth? In other yeah. words, we're supposed to pay you this much. But look at your posture. Look at your how you're coming to work. Your how you are dressed. How your um, your makeup is. How your hair is done. Right. So all of a sudden, we have this disgruntled population that th- says. You guys owe me. What about the tips? You you owe me this <laughs> for doing for doing my job. You owe me more, and I don't want to work here because I'm worth more. But they haven't shown it, and all of a sudden, this is where people get disgruntled. This is where people get unhappy, and and it's all a ploy of the government because what happens is they don't care what goes on as long as people are arguing. The ploy is to get people to argue enough, be unhappy enough that they're going to say, "Somebody help me." And that's where we saw that guy coming out of the um, Home Depot the other day. What did his shirt say? Do you remember? Yes. What did it say? The next variant is communism. Or the final variant is communism. Yes, the final variant is communism. Meaning, if we can get people, if there's another lockdown, we're not coming back from that. We just won't. We're not even recovered from the first one. You can't get people to work. There's there's this logjam, supposedly, that no one can get product. And so we have to go and say to ourselves, well, if we're painting this really rose-colored vision of what socialism is, and what happens after that? Well, they'll be put to work. Now, don't take that from me. I'm a student of history, and you can look this up. I'm about to play some clips from you. Um, This is from the movie Killing Oswald, and this is a perfect example because Lee Harvey Oswald, the man who shot, supposedly shot John F. Kennedy, okay, he defects to the Soviet Union. Why? He defects because he doesn't like capitalism. He thinks we're terrible here in the United States. Now, this is 1959. I'm going to play this clip, and this is an actor reading an actual letter. So I'm not making this up, and I want you to listen, folks. If you have young children, if you have children in high school, if you have children, especially in the university level, play this part of the podcast. This is an actual letter written from Lee Harvey Oswald to his brother, when he defects to the Soviet Union in 1959. Wait a minute. Ange, take over. i got I to cue this up. So we're talking about, we're talking about communism. We're talking about um, what it means to... Oh, there you go. <laughs> you had the volume down on me. Okay. I was like, well, are you sure it's not the volume? I'm looking at the okay. audio equipment. I'm going Part to two. Here we go. the volume. <laughs> Let me set this up again. We don't edit this show. Um, this is an actual letter from Lee Harvey Oswald to his brother in 1959. And this is what he thinks. Dear Robert, I shall begin by answering your question why I and my fellow workers and communists would like to see the present capitalist government of the U.S. overthrown. Do you remember that time your milk company tried to form a union? Workers must form unions against their employers in the U.S. because the government supports an economic system that exploits all its workers. A system based on credit which gives rise to a never-ending cycle of depression, inflation, unlimited speculation, and war. In this system, art, culture, and the spirit of man are all subjugated to commercial enterprise. Notice what he said. Depression, inflation, and war. 
that's capitalism. Who's in charge now? It's certainly not people who are in favor of capitalists. We have far leftists in charge now. And what do we have? Depression, inflation, and war. Did you get that? We have right now people that campaign on socialistic values, on socialistic uh, principles of government who are running our government. And Lee Harvey Oswald is saying that that's what capitalism causes, is depression, inflation, and war. Okay? He's a 20-something, he's in his early 20s, 21 or 22, and he thinks the United States is terrible, and he's going to Russia. This is the second part of that letter. Why do you support the American government? What is the ideal that you stand for? Do not say freedom, because freedom is a word used by all people through all of time. Ask me, and I will tell you that I fight for communism. This is a word that brings to your mind slaves and injustice. This is because of American propaganda. Happiness is not found in oneself. Happiness is taking part in the struggle. The people here have a seven-hour work day and only work till three on Saturdays with Sundays off. Socialism means they do not pay for medical care or their apartments. There is no unemployment here and all work is done for the common good of all. The Russians are a good, warm, alive people who wish to live in peace and see the economically enslaved people of the West free. Wow. The words of Lee Harvey Oswald as he's getting ready to uh, become a Russian citizen, and he's sitting there talking about how great the health care is, how great the workers is, uh, and we all have to take part in the struggle. Ange, does that sound like what we're hearing right now? Mm-hmm. It's for the greater good. We got to take part in the struggle. We need universal health care, Medicare for all, and, and because it's going to be so great over there. And that's what happened when you take a young person and you tell them a system before they actually get to see the system, and you tell them how great it is. You say we're going to take care of you. It's going to be the best thing ever. Okay. Well, let's just let's look more pragmatically, though. But wait, here, there's one more part because this is very important. This is an important lesson. It's super obvious. How long do you think he stayed? In the Soviet Union, when he went, I have no idea. A little bit over a year. He went there, and his eyes were open. And this is the most important thing because you just heard how great it was going to be, mm-hmm. how they were going to take care of him, and how he didn't want anything to do with the United States and capitalism. Let's play this last clip. This is the final letter, and this—it's an extremely different take on what he thought. I work in a radio factory. As my Russian improves, I become increasingly conscious of just what sort of society I live in. Mass gymnastics, compulsory after-work meetings, and sending the entire shop collective, except me, to pick potatoes on a Sunday at a state collective farm. A patriotic duty to bring in the harvest. The unspoken opinion of the workers is that it's a great pain in the neck. January 4th, 1961. One year after I received my residency document, I am asked if I want Russian citizenship. I say no, simply extending my residential passport for another year. I'm starting to reconsider my desire about staying. The work is drab, and I can't spend the money I get anywhere. No nightclubs or bowling alleys. No places of recreation except trade union dances. I have had enough. I have had enough. That's what he says. So did you get that? On Sundays, we get to go pick potatoes because it's our patriotic duty. Now... What did I just say that the Bible said? What did I say the Bible said? Caution. 
The slothful will be put to forced labor. So all these people that think, hey, the government's going to take care of me. They're going to pay me to stay home and play video games and smoke weed, right? And they'll take care of me. Trust me, they're going to put you to work. Whoever is lazy regarding his work is also a brother to the master of destruction. God honors work. He honors ethical work. Lee Harvey Oswald was a young man who took exactly one year to say, oh my gosh, now that I'm here and living it, it's not what I wanted. So we better hope right now we have a president every four years. People are getting a taste of what that's like right now to live in a system that we see depression we see inflation, and we see war. We better turn that around because people, what happens is it takes a long time. It takes a long time to get out of a socialist communist system. And it starts off here when we're talking about Memorial Day. What do we fight for? Sometimes it takes generations to get out of that system once it's in. We're in the depths of that right now because young people are being sold a bag of goods that is not what it seems. But how do you sell that? Because here, here's where I'm at. My question is, you were raised, you know, you're a history buff. Uh, you're a fiscal conservative. Um, you believe in capitalism, uh, you know, hard work, you know, creating, you know, creating jobs and economy and how important the economy is in order for uh, everything to thrive. How... And you would, we just can't say it's the education system. Where and how okay. are people being sold that this is a good idea? Okay, to I'll tell point, you where. To the point where even Lee Harvey Oswald was like, this is a great idea. I'll tell you where. And, and a lot of people think, how many times have we heard that Jesus would, would be a socialist? I address that in the book. Okay. Well, I address, address that in the book. Now. Well, I also address in the book, I'm not a diehard capitalist no, like there's not. a lot of problems with capitalism that i big, see big time Let's okay we're more we're in the autonomous zone here. no well not really i mean i i lean toward it we're gonna we're gonna give a quote here i'm gonna have you actually read this quote here by milton friedman because it, it talks about a free market now he was a capitalist but it talks more about a free market but here's what we need to realize you say how has this happened well we have the media we have hollywood right you have the school system and you have the mainstream news, right? All perpetuating this idea of this wonderful world that we live in if we if we just adopted socialism. And they're not telling it to the people of our generation. They're not telling it to our parents, okay? They're telling it to young people because the people who have lived through that, the people who remember what it was like, particularly me, having friends who were from Cuba that were Cuban exiles, right? They tell stories of Fidel Castro. He just came and takes stuff over. Hey, that's your house? Yeah, that's our house now. Mm-hmm. That's the government's house now. So you can't sell an educated population. You can't sell educated adults on the promises of socialism and communism because they know better. The only people you can tell is the young people because they haven't experienced it yet. They're not raising a family. You give me a socialist and then you give them a two kids and a mortgage and I guarantee you things change. I guarantee you things change. But this is the quote I started out this chapter with. And the chapter is called For the Love of Money. It's chapter 11. I spoke about how how Jesus is often um, put in the middle. Would he be a socialist? Would he be a a capitalist? And that's not fair to say either. Okay? Mm -hmm. But read that first quote by Milton Friedman. The world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. 
The record of history is absolutely clear. There is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lives of ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. You have experience. He's talking about you and your family, single mother, Mm -hmm. on welfare. Nothing could pull you out of that quicker than a free market system. Right. Has it? Yes. How so? Uh, well, I mean, my mom, my mom couldn't, didn't, didn't, she pulled herself out of it. She absolutely did. But she um, had to work her way through, a, you know, a completely different corporate system. And then I believed that corporate was going to be my answer after I retired as a, a martial artist. And corporate wasn't my answer. Like that felt too systematic for me. I'm I'm very much a free enterprise thinker, free critical thinker. I I, I have a very entrepreneurial spirit. I like to create things. Um, I like to create opportunities for people, um, and that's where our on ramp into you know o- uh, business ownership and entrepreneurship you know started with network marketing. That was because we were able to utilize our gifts you know, like pursuing our unique talents. That's in the Bible as well. Like we, we were knitted inside our mother's womb. He knows every and numbered every hair on our head. He called us by name before the universe was formed. Uh, He was before there was a beginning. Therefore, you know, therefore made in his image. Like we have to remember uh, what, you know, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that means that we have, something so unique inside all of us to make that collective, you know, universe work to, to, to do the things that we're set out to, I mean, think about it. Well, why, why would, why would we not be encouraged to use our gifts? Why are we not thinking about free enterprise? You know, if we think about it from us, you know, communism, when you're saying like, well, you have to go out and do the potatoes, Okay, well, what did you do the rest of the week? Were you doing a job you loved? Were you doing something that you wanted to do? Or were you doing something that you were told you had to do? Yes. That's the difference. You don't get to choose. Right, there's they no say, hey, choosing. Hey, Angelique, you know what you'd be good at? You'd be good at this. You're like, but that's not what I want to do. That, that's okay, but it's for it's for the greater good. Right, and I, I appreciate that. I appreciate greater good. But what we should be doing is encouraging everybody to use their gifts for the greater good. What are you great at? Okay, here. Here's how we teach you what to do with those gifts to create greater opportunities for the world, to create greater opportunities for people, for 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 you to come alive. Because we have, we have a mental illness problem in this country, in this world, but primarily in this country. And why are we mentally ill? Because we're so darn confused. We don't know what we want to do with ourselves. We don't even know what we want to be anymore. Because we're told that it's we can just, you know, however we feel today. You know what? If it was all about how we feel, I don't know. I, that's going to get me off on a tangent. But okay. we're, we're, we're getting to a point now where we're not stewarding what we are given well. And as a result of that, we'll fall prey to a system like lemmings and just right off the cliff into somebody else's hands in a system that says I'll give you everything if. Okay, let's let's take a guess here because we have to talk about, I, I don't think they're telling these young children in the schools, 
Um, they're not teaching them history as far as I'm, I can tell. And what they're certainly not telling me is how many people have lost their lives in the push for communism worldwide in the 20th century alone. How many people, how many lives, would you care to take a guess how many lives you think communism has claimed in the 20th century? Millions. Okay. Um, estimates are between 90 and 110 million people. You know what that is? I've just tried to do the math. 100 million people. So if you've ever watched a University of Michigan football game, they have a place called the Big House. And the Big House seats about 100,000. So imagine taking 100,000 people in that big stadium and timesing that times 1,000 and then killing them. That's how many lives. So people, we're not, we're not talking about this. We're not talking about what happens. Like you said, you will be put to work. They come in, the government takes over, you lose your freedom, you lose your choices, and here's the thing. Those people who think they're going to have it easy, guess what? You got suckered. Can you explain why, can you explain why communism claimed lives? Well, because you don't have a choice. You either capitulate or you die. So a couple of years back, um, the government of China said that they had 0% unemployment. They've reached 0% unemployment. Mm-hmm. How do you think that happens? <laughs> everybody, everybody gets put to work in a government job. And, and if you look around the United States right now, if that ever happened here, I'm going to speculate, but I, I would, I'm very confident. Look around your cities. You'll see people who are vagrants. Uh, we know out in California there's a huge uh, drug problem, fentanyl, and people are walking around like zombies. Um, and then they have, they have homelessness, and you have people on the streets, and you have um, the drug problem. So here's what I speculate happens in a, in a full communism government. The people who are able to get put in a job, like Lee Harvey Oswald. You're working in a radio factory. He thought he was going to go over there and be a hero and, and do something you know, great. And they said, you're going to make radios. He didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And then not only are you making radios, on Sundays you're picking potatoes. Okay? You think in communist China right now, what they do is they put all those people to work. How do you think they get zero unemployment? You think they have people over there who are on drugs or people over there that are homeless? Sure. What do you think happens to them? They die. Bye-bye. Street sweepers. Let's get them off the street. Where are they? I don't know. They disappeared. But the numbers look good. Look at our statistics. There is, it's, here's the thing, guys. This is not my opinion. This is a fact. It hasn't worked anywhere. And, and people will always want to take, oh, well, look at over this. They have this great form of socialism over, over in Sweden or Europe. I mean, you could fit 30 Swedens in the United States. Sweden doesn't have open borders like we have. Mm-hmm. They, never, they never had that capitalistic uh, feeling. You know, we have the biggest GDP in the, in the world right here in the United States. So you can't compare apples to oranges, and that's what they'll always do. They'll always want to compare apples to oranges until they get there. And that's why I think that Lee Harvey Oswald, even though it was in the, in the early 1960s, I think that's a perfect example of a guy who was young. He's 21. He's saying, I'm going to go over to Russia. I'm going to have a great life. Capitalism is terrible. All it breeds is depression. Um, it, dep- it breeds war, and it breeds inflation. And then he gets over there, and he's actually in Russia. And he's like, wow. Okay. Now I'm good. I know it's only been a year. I'm coming home. Right. Yeah. Um, and we see this happening all over the place. So again, I know I lean heavily <laughs> <laughs> to the right, but in this book, I, especially in this chapter, I try to take a, a, a big 
view because there's something called usury in the Bible. Do you know what usury is? I do. What is usury? Uh, charging interest yeah. on brothers and sisters. And so that's where capitalism sometimes can go too far. Like I even said, um, if you buy my book, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the cost of... Of my labor, cost of goods, right? Yep. You buy my book for the for the price of I think we, we listed it for like seventeen dollars, mm-hmm. right? It's a fair price. Cost of goods and labor, and amen, and uh, feeding your family. Now, if you are a young person and you open up a credit card, what do you th- what do you think the average interest rate on a credit card is? Uh, Fifteen to twenty. Fifteen to twenty percent. Okay, so that's usury. Yeah, for sure. Now, now you're getting people in debt, and that's where, that's where we see things are going wrong. How do we fix it? That's a good question. You've got to have a free market, but I think what goes back to how we started this conversation is you have to value work ethic. You can't value laziness. You can't va- value playing video games. You can't value showing up to work and doing the bare minimum and not helping people. That's your job. That's what you're worth right now. If you're getting paid minimum wage, that's because that's what you're worth. And in, in, our, in our country, as, as ever since I was a child, it's always like, that's how you start. You start at minimum wage and you work your way up. You build a resume. And you build a resume based on experience. You don't just start and say, hey, here I am. But not just experience, work ethic. Well, that's why I love... Work what, ethic. I'm such a champion for the blue-collar man. And yeah. I love Mike Rowe. And because what you see is people that come out of high school and they say, hey, you know what? Maybe college isn't for me. Right. Right. So they go to work as a plumber. They go to work as an electrician. They go to work as an HVAC guys. And they have to buy their own tools, which sometimes are fifteen dollars to $20,000. They sometimes have to get their own truck. And nobody's coming up to those guys saying, hey, you know what? You graduated at 19, started your own business in HVAC. Um, Let me pay you $10,000 back for that truck that you had to buy. No, but if you came out of high school and you went into college and you got a liberal arts degree or you got a, uh, you know, film studies degree, right? Guess what? Now you want money for that? Right. We, we just got a messed up system. I'm passionate about it. You know, this is, this is where I go, but I, I try to have an open mind. I try to look at the Bible, but I know for a fact that we are looking at a wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing. And we have to be warned of this. We have to come in from the cold. We have to come in from the cold because the Cold War ended with Ronald Reagan. And we thought communism was dead. He said, Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And we thought the Cold War had ended and we thought war had ended. And that was with Ronald Reagan. And the next guy in line got us right into another war, gets us right back to how we started this conversation. George Bush comes in, mm-hmm. 1991, mm-hmm. barely a year of being in office, and we get into the Iraq War, and that war lasted decades. Yeah. And here we are celebrating Memorial Day. How many guys did I see come home? Daniel's brother. Yeah. It was almost, I mean, it's it's almost too tragic to think about because it's one of those things like the school shooting. You People don't want to focus on it because they don't want to know what's reality. So when we don't want to know reality, we just turn it off. 
we watch a movie or we uh, go pop a beer or wear a patriotic t-shirt or put on Lee Greenwood. That's not what it's about. These are young men. There's mothers and fathers who wanted to see their grandchildren that didn't. There's wives that had just gotten married who found their husband and never came home, never had him home again. And there's mothers and fathers right now taking care of their sons who can't take care of themselves because they stepped on an ID. And many that came back were never the same. They were never the same. Look at your uncle. Never the same. Your uncle was in Vietnam. Yep. Still hasn't talked about it. Never the same. Never the same. Well, again, I, I asked for... It's a heavy podcast. Well, look, you know I'm passionate about this. Probably, I'm probably more passionate about this than anything. And um, I always say, you know, where's the fruit? Where's the common sense? Because, you know, people could take statistics, and, and I've used some here, um, but you got to go, where's the fruit? Where's the common sense? From the beginning of mankind, man has always tried to rule other men. And that's what this whole book was about, the pursuit. Is that from, from Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was telling the Israelites, look, you guys are going astray. You're, you're taking God out of it. You're worshiping false idols. And it's going to be bad. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kept warning them and warning them and warning them ad nauseum. It's not going to be good. God will have the final word. And they ignored him. And what happened? They were sent off. They were made slaves. Mm -hmm. So we have a chance to correct it. We have a chance to really go and look at history. What I would say is, if you're a parent out there, don't let anybody else do it. Educate your kids. There's plenty of documentaries. There's plenty of books. Um, Look things up. get Get the right information. Because right now, and this was another huge part of the book, and I'll just leave it on this, is the central theme of the book was deception. We will see and hear things. We will see things with our eyes and hear things with our ears that we are like, that's fact, and it's not. There's never been a more prevalent time in the history of mankind for people to be deceived. There's always been propaganda. There's always been lies. There's always been deception, but now it, it really begs to what we're seeing and hearing as, no, I'm, I saw the video. It was this person. You don't know that anymore. Or I heard the voice. It was this person's voice. You don't know that anymore. Or I saw the news clip with the headline, ABC or NBC or Fox or CNN, and you're like, somebody could have manipulated that. I can't do that. And I just made a simple manipulation on a headline the other day. My friends thought it was real. And I had to tell them, no, I just did that with, I just did that with like Canva. Yeah. Or Photoshop. And, and I have no experience with that. So can you imagine what somebody who really wanted to spread false information can do? So um, there's a lot of questions that we can't answer right now. But I know that we're in the depths of, of some real serious stuff. And, and I want to see families um, come out of this on the other side. And I want to see freedom ring. So ladies and gentlemen, if that was heavy, uh, <laughs> we got to talk about some heavy things. We can't yeah. ignore it. That's, you know, part of being turned on is, is focus, you know, not focusing, but lighting up the areas that have been turned off, you know, things that you don't talk about, things that are a little taboo, things that we sweep under the rug, things that we think someone else is going to take care of. So that, you know, and it affects, it affects our families, it affects our future and it affects our freedom. 
once again, we lead by saying if any of you have had loved ones who have put on the uniform, and that goes for um, not just our veterans, but I want to give a shout out to um, those who serve in our police um, and fire capacities and those who um, help in any way to serve others. I just want to say thank you and gratitude for you. And um, we're supporting you here at the Turned On Podcast. We'll see you next time.